0: was about the oil dripping from my head I never did dream beyond the pastures I could tend It never was about the praise Not about the street parade I didn't really need a crowd when Goliath fell down I never meant to a here With simple shepherd songs Or hide away inside a cave Safe from danger's arms I never meant to wear a crown Or try to bring armies down It never was about me And who I hoped to be more than Jesse's kin Who would ever dream a king
1: to 1 Samuel chapter 30 and get your sermon notes out. They're available on the back of your bulletin. And uh, just wanted to um, talk about the life of David. When the Bible speaks about David, it it describes him in several different places as a man after God's own heart. I want you to think about that for a minute. That is a description reserved for David, and when you think about it, there's something about David Something about his life, something about him that is so connected and linked to the heart of God that he has that title, a man after God's own heart. Can you imagine the depth of relationship that it would take for your life description to be a man or a woman after God's own heart? looking around this morning, and I know almost all of you, for those that I don't know, I I look forward to getting to know you better in, in the days and weeks to come, but as I look around this room, I see people that would say, I want to have a heart after God. And when I look around this room, I don't think there's, there'd probably be very few that wouldn't want that distinction for their life. I know that you would say, I want a heart after God, but when you begin to think about it, you realize That's going to be difficult, and I'm pretty messed up, and my life has a lot of problems. So as much as we may want it, we may say, I don't know if I can have a heart after God. But I want to encourage you this morning that David was pretty messed up himself. If you took all the Bible characters and put them out there, and you didn't know much other than their story, you would probably vote David the least likely to have a heart after God In fact, in today's language, we'd probably say, David has a lot of issues. He does. He was a guy that, that really, he wasn't the most spiritual. He wasn't the most moral. In fact, David messed up a lot. He sinned a lot. He had a messed-up life. He pretty much destroyed every meaningful relationship he ever had. You look at his life and, and you say, that is a big, bad mess of a life. And yet he's the one that has a heart after God. So if he has a heart after God, you can have a heart after God. Alright? I want you to know that today, that it's not just about how good you are or what you do. It's about this relationship, this linking with God. And we're going to look at it today in the life of David. And I want to let you know that there are things we can learn from his life because he did have a messed up life. He did have a lot of problems, and yet he was a man after God's own heart. The problem with preaching on David, there is so much there to preach on, and you can pick psalms or stories. And I picked one from 1 Samuel chapter 30, and it's the story of David returning to Ziklag. And I want to just read it to you and, and uh, get it inside of your heart and see what we can learn from this story on how to have a heart after God. So in 1 Samuel chapter 30, beginning verse 1, it says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men had reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord, his God. Your translation may say that David encouraged himself in the Lord. There's a popular book that is actually about this story in David's life, and it's called "What to Do on the Worst Day of Your Life." It's by Brian Zond. And uh, I knew I was preaching on this, was looking at this, was looking at Facing the Giants by Max Lucado, some others, and, and just kind of digging into this story. And I was actually on my way to a conference in Milwaukee this last weekend, and I was I was listening to this book on tape as I was going up, "What to Do on the Last Day or on the Worst Day of Your Life," and powerful book. I've, I've always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed Brian as a pastor. I met him a few months ago at a conference in Colorado. We just happened to be sitting in the same row. Amazing, but it was just neat how we connected. And uh, so I'm listening to this book on tape as I'm going up to Milwaukee. And I get up to Milwaukee, and who's sitting on the front row at the conference but Brian Zahn? And I told him, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching this weekend on David and Ziklag. He's like, oh, are using my book? I'm like, well, I'm actually listening to it right now in the car. And we just began to talk and, and share. And I, I took that, listen to me, I took that as a God moment that this is what needs to be said today. Because I've been kind of talking to to some of you, corresponding with a few of you, and I realize that um, for many in our congregation right now, these are the most difficult days of your life. That there are some things going on that are so heavy and so overwhelming that it could easily be classified, that a day this past week could be classified as the worst day of your life. And I'm not just talking about one person, I'm talking about many in our church family. And that's why when I saw him, I'm like, God, you have a word for us today. I want to tell you this morning, God has a word for you today. So what do you do on the worst day of your life? You come home from work, and your house has burned to the ground. You find out that you are completely bankrupt. And that terrorists have come and kidnapped your spouse, and children. That classifies as the worst day of your life, doesn't it? I mean, that's what happened today. But wait, there's more. It's happened to all your closest friends as well. Oh, and by the way, they blame you for what happened, and now they want to kill you. That's the worst day of your life. So what are you going to do on the worst day of your life? The first thing you're going to do is you're going to weep. You're going to cry. And let me tell you, it is okay to cry on the worst day of your life. It's okay to weep until you have no more strength left, until there are no more tears. It is okay. God created us with emotions on the good side and, and on the and we might call it the negative side, but those are God-given emotions in the midst of pain, in the midst of grief. It's okay to be angry. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to cry. It's okay to have those emotional moments in our life because that's the way God created you. God created us to weep. God created us to cry. And there are times that that we just have to feel that moment that we're in. God says, I want you to feel the moment. And and, and for many of you this last week, there have been many tears. And it's okay to cry. But I've had people tell me, I I don't want to cry. And in fact, I sometimes feel ashamed if I ever cry and I'm preaching and cry or something like that. And And I've had to deal with this myself. And you know what? Because sometimes we get this idea that, well, weeping isn't consistent with faith somehow. But that is a pretty messed up view of God and His Word. You want to know why? Because you look at the Bible, the, the father of faith, Abraham, he wept. He wept when Sarah died. Jacob wept over Rachel. Joseph wept when he was reunited with his brothers. Hezekiah wept when he received the Word that he would die of the illness that he had. Jeremiah wept over the sin of Israel. Nehemiah wept when he saw the state of Jerusalem. And Job wept in the middle of the strife he was going through. In the New Testament, Peter wept over his failure. Paul wept over his trials. John wept when he saw the open vision of heaven in the book of Revelation. And listen to me. Jesus wept. He cried when his friend Lazarus died and he saw Mary and Martha weeping and grieving. And he was caught up in that moment. In fact, that's the shortest verse in the Bible. He, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept. But the very next verse tells us that when people were seeing how he was crying over Lazarus, they said, see how he loved him. Jesus felt, he felt everything you and I ever felt. We're going to be singing Christmas songs in the in the coming weeks and in a way in the manger we say no crying he makes and how silly is that if a baby isn't crying that baby is not human and Jesus was human the bible calls Jesus a man of sorrow he wept he felt like you and I feel and sometimes real life gives us reasons to cry And it's okay. And it's okay. Guys, did you hear me? It's okay. It's alright. It's alright to feel that emotion. It's okay. But listen to me now. There comes a time when you've cried that last tear. And you can't cry anymore. And there comes a time after crying to get up from your crying. David said it this way in Psalm 30 verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy comes in the morning. There's a moment to weep. There's a moment for sadness. There's a moment for that. But then there's a moment to get up. And on the worst day of your life, you are going to weep. But then there's a time to get up. And the Bible tells us, and I can't wait for this day, there's going to be a day where where Christ comes and He dries all of our tears. And He takes care of that and He wipes our tears away. Is there anything more tender than, than a father or mother wiping the tear away Gently from a child's eye. Jesus is going to wipe away our tears. And, and we have to move to that next level and beyond. Because if we don't come out of our grief, if we don't come out, out of our sadness and depression, it can begin to turn into what we call self-pity. And we can begin to feel sorry for ourselves. Boy, this is a bad day. This is the worst day. I'm going through more than anybody else is going through. And it's just awful and it's horrible. And I just want to let you know, I am preaching to myself today because I give the absolute best self-pity parties in the world. And I'm sorry you're not invited to my party because I'm having too much fun by myself. And um, man, I can feel sorry for myself. And, and, and man, I, I got so bad that I had to have someone, and uh, I don't want to tell you who it is, but someone in my life come in and say, Daryl, you have got to stop this. This self-pity, this feeling sorry for yourself, this is not helping you. This is going to destroy your life. And sometimes we just, we boy, oh, I can't believe this happened. That, And we begin to be defined by that negative thing that happened to us. We begin to be defined by our grief rather than our victory. We, we get so into that bad moment that it becomes overwhelming us. And, and at some point you've got to say, okay, enough. I've got to stop this. Max Lucado in his book, he says this, it's never too late to get up when you have been knocked down. It's never too late to get up. There's, there are moments to cry, and there's moments to get up, because with God on your side, there will be victory. But if you choose to say down, if you choose to say down, this is what's going to happen. You're going to become bitter. Bitterness is going to become, and it's going to set in. After the, all the tears were cried in the story, you can look at it there in the side of the story. The men want to stone David. They want to kill him. These are men that moments earlier would have given their life for David. They were willing to put their life on the line for this man, and now they want to kill him? What happened? You know what happened? Bitterness happened. Bitterness happened. They started playing the blame game. They started playing, okay, it's your fault, and and that bitterness gets inside. And I want to tell you, you can't afford to get bitter because when you get bitter, that will overtake your life, and that will begin to destroy you. And here's a little secret bitterness doesn't just affect you. Bitterness is never self-contained. It begins to spread to everything and everybody around you. When you are bitter, it's going to begin to infiltrate your family, your friends, and you will have what happens is a bitter seed grows into a bitter root, and it is going to overtake your life. And then you've got even bigger trouble. Not only is it affecting the people around you, it's affecting you. It's affecting your body and your health. It's affecting your mind, your heart, your spirit. And when that gets inside of you, man, it's going to destroy you. Bitterness has destroyed families. It has destroyed companies. It has destroyed churches. And people get offended about that one thing, and they hold on to that one thing, and it ruins the rest of their life. And one bad day becomes a bad life because of a root of bitterness God says in Hebrews twelve fifteen, 15, See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Bitterness is a, that negative seed that grows, and, and, and we can't let that grow. You've got to deal with You've got to take an axe to that. You are going to be offended. You are going to have bad days. People are going to come against you, but you cannot let bitterness get hold of your life. Because when bitterness gets in, all of a sudden we get mad at everyone in God. We decide, okay, I'm just angry now. I'm angry with everyone. I'm angry with God and this bitterness is inside me. Listen, the only victory you're ever going to get in life comes from God. And so when you decide to make Him your enemy, when you decide to get angry with Him, you are cutting off your pathway to victory. And so don't get angry with God. Don't get angry with the people around you. You choose to live in love and forgiveness. Choose to live in the grace of God. You will never be able to go back and change the past. Whether it's something you did or somebody else did. That's what grace is. You can't change. You can't make things better. There's some things you just can't go back and make right again. But that's what grace is. That's what love is. God loves you and he says, hey, we're going to get a new start. We're going to get a fresh start. And, And you can't go back and change it. But this person did this to me. You can't go back and change that. You can't make them feel sorry. There's nothing you can do. We have to walk in the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God and not allow that bitterness to rise up and steal your joy. The enemy is out to destroy everything good in your life. He's out to destroy anything that God's doing, the enemy wants to get rid of. And so let me give you this line from what to do on the worst day of your life. I love it. Brian Zahn said this, Don't curse it, nurse it, or rehearse it, but disperse it and reverse it. Isn't that good? With that bitterness that comes into your heart, that bad thing, don't, don't curse it, don't nurse it, don't rehearse it, disperse it and reverse it. Turn it around. Turn it around. Get that inside of your heart and your life. Don't let bitterness... Ruin the rest of your life. Don't let one offense take over and ruin everything. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart. Guard what goes in and what comes out, because that is going to determine your life. Jesus tells us that what comes out of our mouth is actually coming from our heart. And so what are you speaking out of your mouth? Are you speaking the positive, life-giving words of God? Or are you speaking words of death? We have to see what's going on in our heart. Is our heart in life or is it in death? And I encourage you to speak words of life. What a great week to start. It's Thanksgiving week. To speak of thankfulness to God and, and to speak to Him in, in, in songs and, and in joyful uh, thankfulness from your heart. When you do that, that, that brings salvation and healing in life. And I just encourage you to do that. Guard your heart. Guard your words. We've talked about the negative here. Let's talk about the positive and talk about David. What did David do on the worst day of his life? This man after God's own heart, what does he do? It says in verse 6, But David found strength in the Lord his God. David encouraged himself in the Lord. After he had cried so hard that there were no tears left, he encourages himself and he finds strength in the Lord. Let me tell you, I bet, and I don't know this, but I will bet you that David did not feel like worshiping that day. I bet David did not feel like singing a psalm right at that moment, but he did. He encouraged himself in the Lord, because here's the thing about having a heart after God, is God is all you got, and David knew that. David knew if there's any hope, there's any victory in this situation, it's only going to come from God. And I don't really feel like worshiping, but I've cried all my tears and it's time to stand up and it's time to start to worship. How does worship, how does David worship throughout the Psalms and throughout his life? Well, he encourages himself in the Lord by rehearsing the victories of the past. He does that often. He'll, he'll, he'll talk about how God had delivered him from the, the lion and the bear and how God had given him victory over Goliath. And we also see in, in, in throughout his life that he he was able to escape Saul and his enemies time and time again. And so David would constantly rehearse the victory in the past. God, You've done this for me. You've taken care of me here and there. And we can rehearse what God has done for us in the past. And then we sing in the present. And let me just turn your attention toward Psalm 34 and a psalm of David that I could see him even singing in this dark moment of his life. He begins to sing, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth at all times, on the good days and on the bad days. And in between, I will praise the Lord. I will continually bless the Lord. And then you jump down to verse 3. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I love that. Let us magnify the Lord. You know what you do? When you put a magnifying glass on something, you make it bigger. I will magnify the Lord. When I make God bigger, my troubles get smaller. We sometimes magnify our troubles, don't we? And that leads to a bitter spirit. But he says, magnify the Lord. And that's what we need to be doing is magnifying the Lord. And God is bigger than whatever you're going through. He's bigger than the worst day of your life. And worship can begin to change everything because it's giving us the eyes of faith. And when we sing the praises, we are speaking the words of faith. And that's why worship is so important. Paul and Silas did this in in prison at midnight. They were in Philippi. They're preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. They cast a demon out of a girl. Man, they should be throwing these guys a parade, but instead, they're falsely accused. They are beaten and thrown in prison for something that they didn't do. And they find themselves at midnight in prison and talk about that could be the time to get a bitter spirit. But instead, what are they doing at midnight? They are worshiping and praising God. And what happens? They're delivered. See, when we worship, I want to tell you this, if the devil can't steal your joy, he can't defeat you. If he can't steal your joy, he can't defeat you. And he's going to try to expose and exploit the weakness in your life, the bitterness in your life. And, and I just want to encourage you to not let him do that. James chapter 1, verse 2 tells us to, con, to con count it All joy when you fall into various trials. I so dislike that verse, I can't even explain it to you. Now listen to me. And I'm being serious about this. Don't get super spiritual on me. Um, There are verses and stories in the Bible that really bother me. I'm just being honest. And if you don't have verses and stories in the Bible that bother you, I don't know what Bible you're reading. And I don't know how super spiritual you think you are. Listen to me. There should be things that bother us when we read the Word of God. And when they bother us, we should wake up because God's trying to tell us something. And in this story, God's trying to tell us something. In this verse right here, count it all joy. Are you kidding me? On the worst day of my life, count it all joy. And so when something bothers me, I really start to dive in. And and so I, I did... Did you know that the Greek word for count is actually an accounting term from that time period that says, I want you to put it in a certain column. And so what is happening here is is James is saying, when you're going through a difficult time, put it in the joy column. Just mark it under something that's good. And the reason James says it's good is because God's doing something in your life. He is perfecting you. He is working. He's a, you know, Don't consider it, oh, this is the worst day ever. I'm going to put it over here in the bitterness column. No, put it in the joy column. Mark it over here. Because God is doing something in your life. He is making you genuine. He is making you strong. He is going to give you strength through this. He's going to make you perfect, James says, which means lacking nothing. He's moving you to abundant life through this. God has got a plan and a purpose and He's at work in your life. So move it to the joy column. It might be difficult, you might be weeping, but put it in the joy column because God's up to something. Wow, I like that. You know that Paul says that? He uses the exact same Greek word in the book of Acts when he's standing before King Agrippa This is kind of a defense for his life. I mean, he could be put to death if this does not go well. So this is the defense of his life. And he says in the King James, I count myself happy, or I I, I consider myself happy. This idea of of being happy in the midst of of, of giving a defense for your life. You know, that's like, okay, I'm putting it in the joy. It doesn't feel like it, but I'm putting it in the joy column. In, in, In Paul's case, I'm putting it in the happy column. Because I know, God, you're going to do something through this in my life. That's the type of of, of kind of thinking that we need to get heart. We need to get, let God's refining fire come in. And now for the rest of the story. As you go beyond this story, what happens? He encourages himself in the Lord, and now David needs to get everything back. And so he begins to seek a word from God. That's what he does. He goes, okay, what does a man after God's own heart do? I'm going to seek a word from the Lord. I'm going to go after what God wants to say to me. And so he asked the priest to bring him the ephod. Now the ephod is, is what David wears, and he wears it at different times. He's wearing it, remember when he's, uh, they get the ark back and he's dancing and his wife says, why are you dancing out in your underwear? Well, he's actually wearing the ephod. And so he's out there and, and, um, and, and, and so this is, this is a guy that does not mind stripping away his kingly status to get down and get real with God. And he begins to seek God. and, and, And I don't know how long it took, but David just sought the Lord and said, God, I need a word from you. I have to hear from you. I need to hear from you, God. And so he waits on the Lord. Can I tell you today that even on the deepest, darkest days of your life, seek a word from God. Don't just try to get through it. It's okay to cry, it's okay to weep, it's okay to grieve, it's okay to be in pain, but seek God. Seek a word from the Lord. God, what do you want to speak to me right now? Because I need to hear your voice, God. I need to know what you're speaking to me. And God gives us his word. We call that the Logos word of God, the revealed word of God. But he also gives us what we call the Rhema word, or a very specific word for your life. And he said, God, through your word or through some place, I need to, I need to hear from you. I have to have that verse jump out at me. I have to hear that prophetic voice. I have to hear that still small voice. I have to hear it somehow. somehow. God, I have to have a word from you. I have to know what you want me to do. Because we want to reorient ourselves around God's word and what he speaks to us. We want to focus on that and not the difficult thing that we're going through. We want to focus on his word. And David gets the word from God in verse 8. It says, David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding power party? Will I overtake them? Pursue them, he answered. You will certainly overtake them and succeed in the rescue. You know what the word of the Lord is? Go for it, David. Take it all back. Whatever the enemy has stolen, I want you to have it back. It's yours. Go for it. And I love that word from the Lord. And listen to me today. That is the word of God for you. He wants you to go after what he has for you. You have to go back and get what is your... God is not on his throne saying, wow, that's really bad. That's really messed up. Good luck with that. Wow. I don't know how that that happened. But no, you know what God says in his word? He knows every single hair on our head. Now, what what a small detail, a piece of trivia about us. And if he knows that from the day we're born to the day we die, don't you think he knows about the big stuff too? Don't you think that he's with you right now? That he's saying, I want you to just, you need to go for it. God has something for you to go, victory for you to have, and you have to go after it. At some point, God's going to say, look, get up and go. All the promises in his word are still true. None of them stopped. You have to say, okay, I'm going to go after it. And here's the thing, you have to get a vision for your life from God. God. God's got victory in your future, and so you've got to get God's view of your life, God's vision for your life. Not how you feel, not what you think you can do, but get God's vision about who you are and your destiny. That's what you have to do. That's what you have to hold on to. In your word from the Lord, you hold on to that. God, you said that in your word. And there are certain people that that have dreams and visions, and I've heard prophetic words. And when I get that, man, I hold on to that because, God, you said that. I may not feel like it, but you said it. And that's your vision. I want your vision, not my vision, for my life. What do you see when you look at your life? What What do you see? See what God sees. And what happens is David starts to get mad. He starts to get that passion, that anger. It's like, all right, we're going to go. We're gonna. And what happens, it leads to action in his life. And he's like, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not happy about this anymore. I'm, I'm angry about this. I'm going to go after I'm going to pursue the enemy. And I'm going to get back everything that was stolen from me. I love that, 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 that heart of David, that passionate heart that, that he got from God. And God's, He's just like, I'm going. What God said, I'm going to do it. And we've got to turn that passion into action in our life. As the boys grow up, but they're different ages, I, I try to remember what I was going through when I was their age. Luke is a sophomore in high school, and so I, I'm reminiscing back to sophomore days in my life. I attended uh, Maine West High School when I was a sophomore, and, and I, loved, I, I, I loved gym class. I always loved gym class. There's one part of gym class, one section of gym class I did not enjoy, and that was wrestling. I never enjoyed wrestling. And, um, and so we had the, 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 you know, the, the sessions on wrestling and they're showing us different moves and you could just kind of get together with a buddy and move these, do these moves. And we were actually goofing around a lot. So we were actually having a lot of fun. And so what I thought wouldn't be fun was actually a, a lot of fun. you know we were, we were messing around. But then the last day of that section came up and we had to have a real live wrestling match with the person that weighed The closest to our way. In our class, we had the toughest kid in the school. His name was Jones. To this day, I don't even know if he had a first name because everybody called him Jones. He was the strong, he was always getting into fights, always beating people up. He always wore this jeans jacket all the time. He even wore the jeans jacket to to gym class. And the teacher was afraid of him, so he never told him to take it off. And so Jones is in our gym class, and he's about a head taller than me, bigger than me. And I'm like, well, thank God I don't have to wrestle Jones. I'll, I'll take any anyway, but not, not him. Well, we all weigh in, and so they did announce the different matches. And you already know where this go- is going, don't you? <laughs> it comes up, and, and the teacher announces, okay, now Merrill versus... Jones. And I said, I think your scale is wrong. I'm not sure, but I, I don't know if I'm really heavy or he's really light, but the, and, and I, I remember that and, and just kind of what you just did, the whole class did. They laughed like, oh my, whoa, this is gonna get, this is like, see, I'm a lover, not a fighter. And, um, and uh, so I, I don't, you know, I'm not looking forward to this at all. And I'm like, oh man, I can't believe it. And and people are laughing and they're taunting, and and Jones is taking off his jacket and he's coming to the ring. And I'm like, I'm like, oh, he's gonna whip me. I, I just and um, but as as time went on, and, and more people were you know cheering and 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 just you know saying not the kindest things about me is, I'm like, you know, I know I'm not gonna win this, but I'm gonna fight so hard. I might have to bite, I might have to scratch, but some way he's gonna know that he wrestled Daryl Merrill. Okay, <laughs> somehow, yeah, Jones just sounds so much stronger than Daryl Merrill. But anyway, just, uh, yeah, so we get in there and every, I mean, and by this time the crowd is just cheering. I mean, it is, it's like a, like a WWE event. I mean, it's just people are cheering, going crazy. And so we start and, I'm, and, and by this time I'm like, okay, we're just, we're going, I'm going. I run it. I take him down, and and I start just beating the living daylights out. I mean, I'm just I'm having my way with Jones on the on the mat, and 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 so all these all this uh, these people that were laughing at me. all of a sudden, it starts chanting Meryl, Merrill. and um, and then I'm thinking to myself, okay, I don't want to win too big because then he's going to want to kill me when the match is done. But then I thought. If I'm beating him here, I can beat him anywhere. So I kind of lock him in, I lock him down, the time runs out, and everybody cheers. And and I have to tell you, from that day on in my life, I've had a whole new level of confidence. And and, and here's the thing, is you're going to have that day where it's called out, Meryl versus the enemy. Oh, I don't want to do that. Your name versus this trial, this situation. I want to tell you, you are a lot stronger than you think you are. Because God has given you the victory. God is on your side. And when you take things on, and and you don't shrink back and say, I'm going in the strength of the Lord. I'm going to be encouraged in the Lord. I'm going to build myself up strong in the Lord. All of a sudden, you're going to realize, man, I can handle this. I can do this. That's what David had a heart after God when, when he lost everything and everybody wants to kill him, he's like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Go back and get it. Okay, God, we're going. He got mad. He got passionate. He went after what God had for him. I want to tell you, he worshipped on the worst day of his life. He fought on the worst day of his life. And he experienced victory on the worst day of his life. Psalm 73, 26. Make this your psalm. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me today? I just want to pray with you and for you. And then I want us to to worship the Lord for a couple minutes today, just like David did. And as I said earlier, I I realize that um, this is the, the worst days of some of your lives, and And our hearts and thoughts are with you. And and I just want to let you know that I'm praying, that many on our staff and prayer teams are praying, and, and you are not alone. But it's not just that we're praying, it's that God is on your side. I want to let you know it's okay to cry, it's okay to be scared, it's okay to be angry. God gave us all of those emotions. But I also want to let you know it's okay to be victorious. It's okay to turn that anger into action. It's okay to say, God, I need a word from you. I have got to hear from you on this. And let me just tell you, you may feel weak today, but you are a lot stronger than you think. And I want you just to get a a vision for your life and see your life as God sees you. I don't know everybody here. I don't know everybody listening on the radio. I don't know everybody that's watching online. But this all begins with a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We are all going to have bad days. We're all going to go through what (laughs) real life does to us, and it beats us up. But God gives us the victory. He says, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have abundant life. And I want to tell you, that abundant life is not just for this life, but it's for all of eternity. God designed you to spend eternity with him. You were created for a relationship with God. But we have chosen to go our own way, to do our own thing may find ourselves far from God as David did several times in his life. But today I want to tell you that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Those things that separate you from God. And He wants that relationship. He desires to be close to you. He desires to be your victory and to be your strength. So I just want to pray this prayer that God will forgive your sins and that you'll have new life in Him. And that I just want you to be able to experience what David experienced in the hard days of life. And So if you want to make that relationship with God, maybe you've been listening today and you say, man, I need to be right with God. I, I need this. I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. Make this commitment. Come home today and say, dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your presence. God, I thank you for those that came home to you today. And God, I pray that you would give them new life that abundant life, that victorious life. God, all of us that know You need that. On the good days and on the bad days, God, we need You. You are the one constant in our life. And so, God, we will sing Your praises. We will seek Your Word. God, we will draw close to You. And God, we will get our vision for life from You. Give us victory today. We want to know You, Lord. So today, in these closing moments, we seek You. Would you stand with me and let's just sing to the Lord draw near to him in these last moments we have together. Thank you, God. presence though our flesh and they, our heart may fail, you are the strength of our heart and our portion for Him. God thank you for the victory that you give when we wait on you when we're in your presence when we sing your praise even in the most difficult times we love you today we need you and God I just thank you for what you've done just pray that you continue your good work, Lord, now and into the week to come. Thank you, God, for each person here, Lord. We weren't here by accident. We were here to hear from you and to meet with you, and God, I thank you that you met with us today, in Jesus' name. I'm so glad that uh, we can have time in God's presence, So we're just going to actually keep uh, the, this going, so we're just going to keep worshiping the Lord. You can spend a little more time with him, but I do know there are some people that need to go, and, and so I want to... Uh, pray the blessing uh, before you go. But um, uh, if you want to just spend some more time with God, if you just want to be closer to Him, if you need Him this morning, um, I just want you to do that. Um, we're going to pray as we go to uh, uh, Jennifer Bowers' mom passed away. And the service is actually Tuesday at 1 p.m. here at the church. And so uh, you can come to that. We're going to pray for Ted today uh, as he goes back to Saudi Arabia. Lars and his men are here, they're uh, heading out to Haiti in January. And so we want to pray a blessing over them. And Pastor Merrill is this close to coming home. He's uh, getting on a plane today. And uh, he'll be back back by Tuesday, and I'm sure he'll give us a report next Sunday of how uh, uh, how God has been with him. Um, If you're around Jennifer or Ted or or these men back here, would you just put a hand on their shoulder, and, and you might need to walk around. And We're just going to pray, and we're going to pray a blessing and uh, so go ahead and do that if you want to go there and just pray with them and just receive the blessing of the Lord this morning may the Lord bless you and protect you may the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you may he show you his favor and give you his peace God I thank you for that blessing that rests on all of us God all of us that have a heart after you God I thank you for that that blessing that's there in the good and the bad God you are there with your favor and your love and your grace and I thank you for that Lord, we, we pray for Jennifer and her family, and we pray for those across our uh, congregation that are grieving right now with the loss or, or, or the impending loss of, of a loved one, of a father, of a mother. Lord, our hearts are broken for those that, that weep, and we weep with them. God, we pray that you would give comfort. Lord, I pray, God, that you would be with uh, those that have a prodigal that is far away from you. And God, I pray that you would bring the prodigal home. Lord, for those that are giving their life to go out uh, in, in missions, Lord, I pray for Ted, that you would just be around him. And, and Lord, that he would, he would just have a freedom to preach the gospel in Saudi Arabia. And that he wouldn't fear prison or, or anything, but God, you would keep him protected. For Katie, Lord, we just thank you for the good report. And we just relieve, God, you have even greater things ahead for her. For the men that are heading to Haiti to, to build this school, uh, Lord, uh, God, they're going in obedience to you, into a, a place that needs the gospel. And God, go with them and give them strength and provide for their need. Lord, go with us today and keep us safe and strong, Lord. Keep Pastor Merrill safe and strong until he's home with us. And uh, again, God, we just pray this in Jesus' name. And uh, we can't wait to gather together again as a church and worship you in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Amen, it's been good to be in God's house, hasn't it? If you want to stay in worship, you can for a few minutes and, and do that. If you want to get a, uh, a angel tree gift, you better run
2: out there right now because there's not many left. If you need a special prayer. I'll be down front to pray with you, but.